Just go ahead and stand as we open up. Everybody doing okay tonight? Hey, the rain. Thank the Lord for the rain. Hadn't it been wonderful? Well, thank the Lord for the rain anyway. <laughs> the sun's supposed to come out tomorrow, tomorrow. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, thank you for being with us online tonight. We're glad that you have tuned in. How many have a need tonight? You'll just signify by lifting your hand. Uh, we do want to pray for um, uh, Mark and Danny. Uh, they are on their way back. Uh, her father passed away last week, and the funeral was last week. They're on their way back to Texas, uh, leaving a foot of snow. So <laughs> uh, pray for a safe trip. And then Bill was telling me that his granddaughter, uh, they're having to take, uh, she's going to have a baby tomorrow early, so pray for all of that. Aren't you glad that God is, how many forget things? Yeah. <laughs> what did I just say? No. <laughs> um, God doesn't do that. It's amazing to me that there are 8 billion people on the planet and God knows the voice of each one. How many of you can remember, remember when your kids were growing up, you, could, you, knew their, you knew their cry, you knew their voice, there was just something there. And that God, God does that to us. He, he's hearing those people that are crying out in communist China, and he's hearing those people that are in Cuba, and he's hearing those people in, in, in South America, and he's hearing people in Cleburne, and he knows us, and he cares. Let's just pray. Father, tonight, thank you. Uh, Lord, that's, sometimes it's all we need to do, just, Lord, just to come and say thank you. Thank you for loving us when we're unlovable. Thank you for, uh, Lord, just providing, uh, taking upon yourself the, the sin of all mankind. Thank you that you did it for us because you love us. And, Father, tonight we thank you for the privilege of, uh, Lord, just coming to you again with our needs. We or sometimes feel guilty because we come oftentimes. We come over and over again with our petitions and our requests and supplications. And But, Lord, you invite us to do that. And, Father, tonight as we open up, every hand that went up in the building tonight, those that are online, Lord, there's needs. that We have needs. And I thank you that we can bring them to you and have confidence that you hear us when we pray. Lord, thank you that you've revealed yourself, uh, Lord, as Jehovah Rapha, the healer, uh, Jehovah Jireh, the providing God, Jehovah Shalom, our peace. Uh, Lord, thank you that... Uh, Lord, we can have confidence that when we pray, you hear us. And I pray for those that just need that touch tonight. Lord, I pray that you'll do that. Those that are online tonight, Lord, those that are traveling, Lord, we ask your hand of protection upon them. Those that have lost loved ones, uh, Lord, I pray that you would come near to them and, and be with them. Uh, Lord, for those that are going through procedures and the hospital, uh, Lord, I, I pray for Rusty as his father is being uh, put on hospice. Uh, Lord, not much time left. God, that you would just uphold them with your powerful right. about that? Okay, let's try that. And if not, I'll holler. <laughs> hey, anybody remember that time we were, uh, it's been many years ago where we were, we had planned to do, we had Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames. We were going to do Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames, had everything set up on a Sunday morning. And all of a sudden the power went out in the middle of a Sunday morning church. Anybody remember that? And we opened the side doors and we kept having church anyway. <laughs> uh, and fortunately we were able to get it fixed before kicking off Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames that night. So, uh, so anyway, great stories. You know, go back 30 years, you got some really cool stories of just things that have happened here. Go ahead and turn with me to Genesis chapter 1, and we're going to finish up our series tonight uh, on uh, a firm foundation. Now, as way of announcements, tomorrow is our food distribution right here at 9 o'clock in the morning. And so if you have some time, come on out and, and be a part of that. Um, Looking forward to, to that. Uh, coming up again next month, we'll have our annual business celebration on the third Sunday of the month, and then we'll have our uh, Watoto on the 25th. So just kind of make note of those things, and we'll talk about it more. Friend Day is not too far away. How many know uh, Easter, I was going to say Christmas? <laughs> we still have a little bit of time for Christmas. 
but Easter is a little bit early this year. Uh, it's in March, and so Friend Day is going to be March the 23rd. And, and I'm telling you that because I want you to start working now to invite somebody. That's what Friend Day for the last 20 years has all, always been about, us bringing somebody. We've got a brand-new drama. We did a brand-new one last year. We're, we're writing. I can't talk. We're writing one now. Uh, it uh, is entitled What If? And it's going to be an incredible presentation. Uh, this will be one of those things you want to bring your friends to, people that are on the fringe, uh, that, that uh, maybe people that have been, you know, as a Christ follower at one point, but kind of let things happen. Get them in. We, we want to see souls saved for the kingdom. And uh, that is a good opportunity. So that's just kind of, uh, kind of forecasting for the next couple of months, if the Lord tarries. Now, if he doesn't, we won't be doing any of that, <laughs> uh, it, it, which will be okay. Uh, so anyway, let's get right into our, our teaching tonight. Uh, we're going to finish this up. And my message title tonight is On Purpose with Purpose. On Purpose with Purpose. Uh, beginning verse number 28 says, then God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, see, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed, to you it shall be for food. And let's see, let me go on. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food, and it was so. Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. And we'll stop there. May the Lord add his blessing to his word. Now, again, tonight we're going to wrap up this series, and in a couple of weeks I'll kick off a brand new series. Uh, but... With all the confusion, and, and, and again, this whole po- the whole point behind this series is that if we're going to have a banner year, and, and I don't know about you, but there's something antsy in me about seeing God do something, uh, something again, I believe that the wind of the Spirit is moving today. And, and, and I think what's happened is it's caught a lot of people with sails that have been adjusted to what God used to do when we need to adjust ourselves to what God's doing right now. And, and so a firm foundation, if we're going to have a banner year, we've got to anchor on something that is eternal because I promise you, everything that we have put our confidence in as far as institutions of man have left us wanting. You know, the Scripture says some trust in chariots, some trust in horses. We will trust in the name of the Lord our God, and that's important. And so that's what a firm foundation is all about. And so with all of the confusion of our times, we have to, we have to anchor in something that is eternal, that eternal foundation of God's truth. So in this study, we've gone back to the very beginning because if we get the beginning wrong, the rest of our lives will be wrong. I mean, again, I really believe that, that if we are wrong in the beginning or about the beginning, then we're going to be wrong at the end. You know, our world is filled right now. I just mentioned this to somebody over in the gym. And uh, our, our world is filled right now with hopelessness, despair, and it's mainly because we've not anchored in God's eternal truth about creation. Because if I don't believe that I am born on purpose, with purpose, then what value am I? That's what we see in our world today. And it expresses itself, by the way, in many different forms and fashions. It manifests in different ways. You know, I did a quick research uh, online, and that uh, as of Monday, here it is, as of this past Monday, the world population is 8.1 billion people. 8.1 billion people. Every day, they say estimates, roughly 835,000 babies are born every single day on planet Earth. By 2037, world's, world population will surpass 9 billion people on the planet. I guess we've been good at keeping one of God's commandments when he said, be fruitful and multiply. <laughs> I, I think we, we probably have kept that one, maybe of all of them, that's the one we've kept. So again, our text, I read it to you tonight uh, in our text, and, and, and again, he talks about there at that last por- portion, he says and that when God saw everything that he had made, he said it was very good, and that was the 
evening and morning, and it was the sixth day. You know, one of the sad realities, and, and, and the reason we go back is one of the sad realities of modern times is how disposable life has become. I mean, again, that, it bothers me how indiscriminate we are in harming other people, that we really don't think anything about it. I mean, you think about, you think about road rage. I mean, just some of the dumb stuff that causes people to get in such fury that they're willing to get out of their car and shoot somebody. Uh, they're willing to beat somebody. They're willing to do whatever. It, it, it just it, it boggles my mind how that we have so devalued life. It's become such a disposable thing. I mean, there's a lot we could talk about on this subject. Uh, I know we're part of that sanctity of life. We, uh, you know, we do March for Life. We support the Cleveland Pregnancy Center uh, as an alternative to abortion. You know, there are a lot of things that we could talk about. Uh, you know, we could talk about abortion. We could talk about euthanasia. Uh, don't be sleeping on that because that's making a big push. In fact, I saw a report the other day uh, where a lady was acquitted of, of uh, I guess she was charged with murder, but it was uh, her assisting in a euthanasia, taking the life of someone because they wanted to die. Um, so, so, so that's, that's coming. It's in, it's in other countries, Canada in particular. Uh, I saw in Canada, not, I guess it was last year, that a 16-year-old who was deeply depressed was able to get a court order that, would allow, that allowed her to die because she was depressed. Uh, again, we devalue life. And so we could talk about abortion and euthanasia. We could talk about uh, physician-assisted suicide. We could talk about murder as evidence of the devaluing of life. But as a believer in Jesus Christ, we believe that all life is precious, from the cradle to the grave. And actually, uh, that's only because it rhymes <laughs> uh, somewhat, but from conception to the grave, we believe that life is precious. And because we're all made, and here's another part of that, because we are all made in the image of God, we all matter to God. You know, they're, they're, they're not disposable people. They're not throwaways. I, you, you hear a lot of talk about, uh, again, just on the news tonight, I don't watch a lot of it. I just caught a glimpse as I was walking out the door. You know, they're talking about some of the homelessness uh, in, in Dallas and, and in Fort Worth and here and even Cleburne. Uh, we have homeless. People aren't disposable. You know, somehow people, society has looked at those who are homeless, and we support a, mission, uh, a missionary right now who, who works downtown Dallas. And he, does, he has church uh, under the bridge in Dallas, he, his, we work on an apartment complex that he's uh, converting into a rescue center um, for people that are down on their luck. And we somehow look down on them as though they are less valuable. But if we understand that we are made in the image of God and that God cares about everyone, then life matters. You know, and, and again, think about it. Uh, not only does God care about life, in God's eyes, we're all on equal standing Ground. We're all on the same ground. In God's eyes, we are on, we're at the same standing. In fact, in verse 27, uh, it talks about God's good design. And, and notice in verse 27, I didn't read it, but what he says here is that God created everyone, male and female. And, and that's important in the confusing times that we live in. And I, listen, I'm sure that sexism is real in our society. But God's plan from the beginning is that he created male and female equal. But hear me, they're equal. They're not identical, nor are they interchangeable. But they are equal on the same plane. And we've lost that understanding. Equal with the same standing before God. And, 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 and uh, you know, this is a foundational truth that has become confused in our day by the author of confusion. Gender is not a social construct, as some want to promote it to be. Uh, and, and again, that's, that's an important distinction because we've got people that want to go around and talk about uh, that they were born in the wrong body and they were born this way. Listen, in God's design, he created male and female, and he did it on purpose. And there was no confusion. He made us equal on the same plan, uh, on the same plane, Again, not identical and not interchangeable. So, 
again, gender is not a social construct, as people promote today. God created the genders biologically different because he had different purposes for each one. I watched a little girl one time. She, was, she must have been. You ever seen these prodigy kids that, you know, some are chess players, some are pianists, uh, pianists some are, you know, whatever. I, I saw this little girl uh, on Dr. Phil one time. I just saw a clip of it. She must have been maybe four or five years old, and they had a skeleton uh, on there, two, two. They had a male and a female, and this little girl says to Dr. Phil, and I believe it was Dr. Phil, but anyway, one of the talk shows, she said, do you know that I, you can identify a skeleton as the gender of a skeleton by the pelvis bone, the pelvic bone, because God created, you know, the pelvic bone of a female is different than that of a male. And, and I'm thinking, a three-year-old or four-year-old girl understands that, but yet we've got adults that are confused. Yeah, and, I, and, and that we, we, we laugh about it, but that's the, the confusion that we live in. You know, we've, we've been made, God designed us on purpose with purpose, and he created the genders to be different for a purpose. You know, we've been made different by design with distinct capacities and roles to fulfill, and here it is, in the divine mandate, as we serve as stewards of God's creation. That's it. We've been assigned. So, so when I do, uh, if I have couples come in either for premarital counseling or advice or guidance or or maybe they come in and have some bump in the road or whatever. I, you know, I look at them and I say, here's the thing. God has assigned to a husband a role. And God has assigned to a wife a role. And if you're going to live to the maximum potential of that relationship, then the husband must function in his role as assigned by God, and the wife must function in her role as assigned by God. If you get that confused, then that's where you start having the bumps in the road. So again, uh, as, as we close this out tonight, here's some truths that we've looked at so far. Number one, we must get the beginning right, as I've said earlier, in order to have a right ending. If I'm wrong in the beginning, I'm going to be wrong in the end. The second thing is Genesis begins with God. It doesn't try to prove God. It doesn't give us a diatribe on where God came from. And it just simply says, in the beginning, God. It gives the assumption that people are smart enough to know that God was. Another thing that we learned in, in, in this study is that when God says it, that settles it. He has the authoritative word to speak, and what he says becomes a reality. Uh, another thing, God forms and fills his creation for his glory and for our good. And then the last thing, and that's kind of a little bit of what we're talking about tonight, in God's good design, he created male and female. Clear distinctions, no confusion whatsoever. So, so what does it mean to be made in the image of God? Well, it means it involves having personality. It means having morality, spirituality. Uh, it, it means the responsibility to respond. Uh, because we have a soul and a spirit and a will, we, prevent, we, we possess dignity and value. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. We possess dignity. We have value. There is no one, aren't you glad, there's no one like us. We're unique. There'll never be another you. Amen. You know, there, there are a couple implications about that. Number one, um, unless we are rightly related to our Creator through the new birth, we're going to lack meaning and purpose. And that's what I mean. If we get the beginning wrong, if I don't come into that relationship where I know the author of life in that relationship, then I have no meaning. I have no purpose. It's like life has shot me out into the pinball of life, and I'm bouncing from pillar to post. I have no aim. I have no direction. I have no guidance. I'm just kind of bouncing around. If, if we are fearfully, wonderfully made, if we have that connection with our Creator, then life is, has meaning and it has purpose. Even the hard times of life. Uh, you know, I struggle sometimes with this. I, uh, I, I saw a picture I actually posted on my social media uh, of my wife pre-stroke, and, and I miss that. I had to be careful because I'll, I'll start crying. I miss that. I miss the helper. But you know what? I have a relationship with him, and life has meaning and it has purpose. 
Augustine said it like this, Thou hast created us for thyself, O God, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. And the second thing is, not only if we're not connected, we find no meaning and purpose, but the second part of that is that we will never look into the eyes of someone who does not matter to God. And that's important. There, there are people that, again, we size up people pretty quick. And, and sometimes we put a valuation on people. We rate them according to what we think they're worth. But the truth of the matter is we're all made in the image of God and we'll never look into the eyes of someone that is not valuable to God. The bottom line, again, is we were made, created on purpose with purpose. In verse 28, we see how God begins by blessing Adam and Eve. You know, this is, this is after he created Adam and Eve. The, the, the next verse, 28, says, and God blessed them. I said it last week, the word bless means to enrich or to endow. Uh, to bless has the idea of recognizing their worth and adding value to their life. In the New Testament, the word uh, that we translate bless in the Greek is the word eulogio, eulogio, which is eulogy, okay? It's where we get eulogy. Now, what is a eulogy? Well, it means to celebrate someone by paying tribute and giving high praise. So think about that. God blesses his creation, mankind, and, and because he does, and I think that, that, is, that is telling because um, since God does that for us, since he eulogizes the crown of his creation, we need to make sure that we're celebrating those around us who are made in his image and his likeness. That's why I say that the call of being a Christian is, is not for the faint of heart and it's not for the weak because everything in our nature is to rate people by how they, how they interact with us. You know, if you get a rude, um, if you get a rude teller, a rude, uh, you know, you know, cashier or a rude waitress or a rude driver, as my, you know, as I run across quite often, <laughs> it's easy, it's easy to lean to the old Adam, <laughs> you know. But Paul said, look, we, we have a new way of thinking, you know, so we're, we're anyway, I don't want to spend a lot of time on that. I, uh. There was a book years ago, some of you might have read it, called The Blessing, and it was written by John Trent and Gary Smalley, and really the, the book, the, the impetus of the book was how that we ought to speak blessings over people. In fact, some of you remember what I used to do on Sunday nights years ago? Every Sunday night, I used to have people extend their right hand, I would extend my right hand, and I would, I would just quote, may the Lord bless you and keep you, may the Lord's face shine upon you, be gracious unto you. Uh, May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you. I, I would do that every single Sunday night for years. That book was written to help people know that our words are important and that we are to speak blessings. In fact, what they do is they, they use the word bless as an acrostic or an acronym, and it means this. Uh, the B is be committed. What does that mean? Well, it means a blessing is not just a one-time statement, but it's a long-term commitment to another's well-being. So in other words, you know, think about what a parent does to her, their children. Every time you encourage them, you're blessing them. You look at the Old Testament patriarchs. What did they do to their children? They blessed them. In fact, when Jacob and Esau, you know, he put his hands upon them. He blessed them. That's, that's the idea, is that we're to bless. I think parents are to speak blessings over their children and their grandchildren. And I think as believers, we are to speak blessings into other people's lives. The L is for that, lovingly that loving touch. You know, the power of an appropriate hug or touch communicates warmth and acceptance. Again, I know that we've sexualized everything in our society, and I think we, you know, we do have to exercise caution. But don't be a, there's something powerful about a human touch. You know, I think back to some of the lepers in the times of Jesus, and probably one of the things that they missed was that human touch, that, that thing that they were enable, unable to have. Um, the E is express value. Again, if you're going to bless somebody, communicate how highly you value that person. You know, just a few, you know, there's enough negativity in our world. We need to speak life into people. Encourage them. S, see potential. Help that person picture a special future uh, and then cheer them on. You know, you've heard me say when my kids were growing up, I was their cheerleader. 
I rooted for my kids. I bragged on my kids, not because I thought they were perfect. I knew they weren't. But I bragged on them because I knew what they could become. I bragged on their potential so that they would believe that they could do, that they could do anything. Um, I cheered when I was at their event. I was that guy. I was loud. I made sure they knew I was there. You, you know, if you ever went to a Cleburne ball game when my daughter was in band, you knew I was there because I would wait till the crowd went silent right before the band went on. I would stand up in the, in the stands and go, go, Becca, as loud as I could in a dead silence of the, of the stadium. And she would do this. <laughs> you know what? But after a while, people would say, is that your dad? Is that your dad? <laughs> yeah, she, she admitted it, by the way. She got to where she wanted that. There was a couple times that ministry took me out. I was not able to be there. Very few times, but because I made a point to be there for my kids. And she said, Dad, I missed you. I missed you. See potential, and in the second S, say it. Effective blessings have to be put in words of, affirm uh, of affirmation. They have to be put in words. Speak blessings. Number, Numbers chapter 6, I, I started quoting it a little bit earlier. It says, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. That's a blessing. And just listen, just because we're blessed doesn't mean that we sit, we have the luxury of sitting, soaking, and souring. <laughs> because in our text tonight, and i got to get right to it because time just is flying by. In our text, God gives us five responsibilities to each of us. This is often, if, if you do any type of reading in Genesis, this has been called the creation mandate, the creation mandate. God blesses us so that we will be obedient to bless others. In fact, remember in Genesis chapter 12, what he said to Abram? He said, I'm going to bless you and make your name great. Why? So that you'll be a blessing. I'm going to bless you so that you will be a blessing. Deuteronomy 28.2, it links God's blessings to our obedience. It says, and all, these things, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. See there, that connection? How many people today want to walk around claiming the blessings of the Lord, but they're living in disobedience? There's a connection between obedience and God's blessings. So, what are our responsibilities? Let me give them to you real quick. Number one, be fruitful. Look at our text. And uh, the idea behind it, fruitful, is prosperity or growth. Well, in the context of what we're talking about in creation, Adam and Eve, simply put, Adam and Eve were to have children. That's be fruitful. That's why I'm saying that's one, that's one command we've kept. <laughs> 8.1 billion people on the earth. Psalms 127.3 says, Behold, children are a heritage of the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. The Bible refers to children as a blessing. Isn't it sad where we are with our children today? We have people that, um, you know, that, well, through abortion, we kill them. You know, we traffic them. We sell them. We use them. It's a sad, sad day. I, I've said it before, and, you know, maybe this the, the southern male in me, but don't mess with the kids of this church because I'll hurt you. Gladly. I just, I, I think it, 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 it's infuriating to see how we just so cheapen the most innocent. From conception on, children are made in the image of God, and he has blessed them. They are given as a blessing from himself. As fellow image bearers, we affirm that babies are a blessing, not burdens, and they should be protected from the womb to the tomb. They should be. Number two, flourish. What does that mean? Well, and the next word that he says there is to multiply, to multiply. And it refers to an abundance. So God brought Adam and Eve together to reflect his image, to represent him, and to reproduce godly offspring. Malachi chapter 2, verse 15. I, I, I mentioned this when I preached on, this, on the family series last year, that the purpose, one of the purposes for marriage 
is what Malachi says in Malachi 2.15. Did he not make them one with a portion of the Spirit in their union? And what was the one God seeking? Godly offspring. So guard yourselves in your spirit and let none of, your, of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. Again, one of the purposes of marriage is to multiply the human race by producing godly offspring. That's it. Boy, that doesn't fly well in today's modern culture. <laughs> maybe, maybe this is why, you ever thought about this? Maybe this is why the family unit has been under such attack from our world. Because God's original design was that one man, that one woman, produce a godly offspring that would fill the earth with image bearers of God. Maybe that's why the enemy has set his sights on destroying the family. When, you, when, when they moved into the, the no-fault divorce and uh, when they went to same-sex unions, when they redefined marriage to be whatever civil unions and whatever you want it to be, again, that was all done in the crosshairs of attacking the family. Uh, you, I haven't said it in a long time, but you've, you know I say this all the time. The church, the world is sick because the church is sick. The church is sick because families are sick. Families are sick because marriages are sick. You heal the marriage, you heal the family, you heal the family, you heal the church, you heal the church, you change the world. That's what God intended right there. Uh, Albert Moeller once said this. He said, our culture is moving away from the beliefs of Bible-believing Christians faster than we even recognize, particularly in the areas of the sanctity of life and the redefinition of marriage. And I would agree with that. We are light years from what the, the, the traditional Christian view of the family in marriage. We are years away from that. People who stand up for traditional marriage and traditional family, uh, particularly if they are famous, are oftentimes publicly uh, mocked and ridiculed. Anybody, anybody know the name Candace Cameron Burr? Anybody know that name? Used to be on, what was that show, Full House? She's a, she's a big at, she's a big Hallmark person. Well, used to be. I think she's on the Greatest American Network or something now. But uh, she's a big, she's a good, strong believer. She is, uh, she, traditional marriage, well, she's very vocal about traditional marriage. And she's received a ton of, ba of, of backlash from the LGBTQ community. In fact, I, I found some of the quotes. One person, quote, this is rude and hurtful to an entire community of people. Another one said, it's irresponsible and hurtful for her, for you, to use tradition as a guise for exclusion. Another one said, she's out of sync with the great majority of the people of faith. Pick up on that one. She's out of sync with people of faith. Why? Because she believes in traditional marriage. Listen, I understand. We, we, have, peop we have people in our, in our church, uh, in my family as well, that struggle with those alternative lifestyles. I don't say any of that with, 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 with joy or, or animus or anything like that. It's a sad reality that with the author of confusion has brought confusion into the very thing that God created to strengthen his glory. Um, it should be, no, again, what happened to her, you know, that firestorm was done simply because she said, I'm in favor of traditional marriage. That's all she said. She didn't malign anybody. She, didn't, she just said, I'm for traditional marriage, and they just flipped the lid and went on about how rude and unkind it was. Listen, God created us on purpose with purpose. He wants us to be fruitful and to flourish. Number three, he wants us to fill the earth. Fill the earth. What does that mean? Well, it, mean, it, it brings the idea of finishing or satisfying. The word is used in 1 Kings 18, uh, 33. It says, fill four jars with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. Okay, well, so what does that mean? Well, God wasn't satisfied um, with just two image bearers. God longed for the entire earth to be filled with people who shared his own image. The purpose of people to fill the earth was so important to God, okay, that he restated it after the worldwide flood. You know he did that, right? After the worldwide flood, he got, Adam, excuse me, he got Noah together and his family in, in Genesis 9. What did he tell them? He said, and God blessed Noah and his sons, and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. It was so important to God 
that image bearers would be scattered throughout the earth, his creation, that he restated the purpose of it. God wants his image bearers to fill the earth, the entire earth, not just a certain section. Remember, they got in trouble at, uh, Nimrod got in trouble at the Tower of Babel. Anybody remember that? Why? Because they decided to shirk their responsibility and stick around, and God said, no, I want you to out. I want you to, I want you to go out and spread, spread my glory, my image all over the earth. So what did God do? Genesis 11 <laughs> said, so the Lord dispersed them from, from there over the face of all the earth. Why did he do that? Because he said, go and multiply and fill the earth. Not fill Cleburne, not fill Johnson County, not fill Texas, fill the earth. The blessing of creation, or excuse me, the blessing of the mandate creation is, 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 is linked to our ability to multiply and reproduce. He said, be fruitful and multi, uh, excuse me, be fruitful, multiply and fill it. God wants his creation to uh, be fruitful. He wants it to flourish. He wants to fill what he has formed. Um, there was a blogger, I came across this article and I thought it was really good about our subject tonight, pretty germane to what we're talking about. He's a blogger and I'm not big into the blogging stuff. And, but anyway, I thought this was really good. It, it's, he, he put a post out, it's entitled, Life is Beautiful. Here's what he writes. He said, don't let the fact that babies are born all the time dull your awareness of the glory and beauty of it. If it is a wonder and marvel that fruit can grow from a seed that came from a fruit, and it is, then how much more significant is it, how much more significant it is that a living creature can generate another just like it? And if a dog giving birth to puppies or a cow giving birth to a calf is breathtaking, which it is, then how much more awe-inspiring it is when a woman gives birth to a baby boy or girl? A boy or girl she has been already nurturing for nine months. Boy or girl unlike every other boy or girl on the planet. And yet, there is clearly more going on than just a remarkable natural process. It is a mysterious and miraculous, it is mysterious and miraculous that a creature would be able to reproduce itself, to generate another of its kind, but not a carbon copy. We're, we are not talking about an assembly line of identical cars or computers, but entirely new beings. He goes on, within humanity, of course, the glory of this miracle is most vividly displayed. The body of a woman may have all of the necessary components to grow and sustain a tiny life, but it is evident that the master sculptor is at work, molding cells into their proper form and function and instilling a consciousness, uh, a, a conscience, a personality, and a purpose. God is the master sculptor, of course, doing the work that humans could never begin to accomplish on their own. He issued the command for people to be fruitful and multiply, but he is the one, only one who can ultimately make that happen. He creates life, forms it, and breathes a conscious soul into it. He chooses to begin the process with the union of a man and a woman while completing uh, it within her womb. As, uh, and, and Psalm 139 says so powerfully, he knows every moment of every life from conception onward. That's a beautiful thing to think about. How many of us have marveled? You know, I, I remember when my daughter was born, she being the oldest of my kids, she was born first, and, and you've heard me tell this story. We, we were convinced. Anybody ever had somebody tell you you're carrying a boy, you know, try to tell you what you're going to? We, we, we had my daughter when, when we didn't have the, te- I don't think we had the technology to know, you know, the gender reveals. We didn't have a party. You know, we didn't pop a blue, a blue balloon or pink one. We, we didn't know. And so people there in Germany, that's where we were living, uh, you know, we, they'd come up and they'd look at Sheila and, and ladies, I, I'm sorry, but you know, that, that just, I, I know what happens all the time. They, people would stop her and look at her, you know, look at her belly and like, ah, oh, it's a boy. It's a boy. And so we picked out boy names because everybody told us it was a boy. And so we, when we got ready to go in the hospital, I had determined, I, I have a gag reflex. I'm, 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 not, I'm not a sissy. I don't mean it like that. <laughs> I, have, I have a gag reflex. There, there are just some things that just kind of upset me, certain smells. Uh, there are things that I just don't care for. And I just decided I wasn't going to go into the room where she was born. I, and, and Sheila was okay with it, or at least that's what she told me. 
and, and we were cool. And so we went in the night before, so they started inducing, and was there all night and up until um, the next day. We, I mean, we're full almost 24 hours, exhausted. Uh, all of a sudden, it, you know, when it came, it was boom, just like that. And, and I didn't even have time to react. I was tired, fatigued. The guy says, here, put this on and gave me a gown. I put it on, went right in there, didn't think anything about it. We're going in there with the idea that we're going to name this boy, because everybody said it was a boy. We're going to name the boy Michael Jacob. I wanted a girl first. I don't know why. I just did. When that baby came out, he said, healthy baby girl. I almost passed out for two things. Number one, I was shocked. Number two, we hadn't even picked out a name for a girl. <laughs> so, so we had to try to figure that out. There's, there's a point to all this stuff. Oh, I was amazed. I was amazed. When, when you hold that baby for the first time, aren't you in awe? I mean, I was overwhelmed, tears. When my son was born, I, I had my boy, and I'm overwhelmed at the capacity of life that God gives to us. That's God's, he wants us to feel and flourish and to reproduce godly offspring. That's why it's a parent's responsibility of, of all the things that we're asked to do of God and, and really commanded to do of God, passing on the faith is one of them. And that passing on faith is not a minor issue. It's a major issue. It's a major issue. I've said it before. If I don't give my children Jesus and I give them everything else, I failed them. Now, again, I, I don't know. I, listen, I know, there, I know plenty of people that raise their kids in church, and they, when they got older, they turned their back on it. You know what? We keep praying for them because I believe that there's a seed there that God will, through his spirit, will, will enliven at some point. I don't know when, but I believe that with all of my heart. We have to. So, so number four, got to hurry up. Uh, the second thing we're to do is to overcome obstacles. I mean, the fourth thing, overcome obstacles. Notice what he said, subdue the earth. He's given us the mandate of what we're to do, our responsibilities, and one of them is to overcome the ob obstacles. We're to subdue, subdue the earth, which is the idea of overcoming as when David subdued the nations in 2 Samuel. The word subdue doesn't mean mistreat, Okay. But what it does mean is to bring under cultivation. Okay, it, it, that's what it means is to bring under. So we're, as we, I mean, think about what we're to do to creation. We're to study it, develop it. We're to bring creation under control. I, I would say that we've done a lot of that. I mean, we, we've, we've drilled to the depths of the earth and discovered gold, uh, gold. well, gold. <laughs> we found gold. We've got coal. We've got gold. Uh, what else we have? Gas, oil. You know, all those things that power and use all this stuff here. And I know, I know in today's push for, you know, fossil fuel, by the way, that's a misnomer. I don't have time to get into that. But anyway, we, we, we've controlled, we've developed, we've brought cre creation under control. This is part of God's blessing on men and women who are made in his image. As caretakers of creation, we are to utilize the earth, earth resources to serve God, others, and ourselves. Unfortunately, there are some that are, quite greedy that want to pull it all in for themselves. God has made us to be gardeners and governors who grow and govern this world. You know, it took me a long time, and you know, don't look down on me, but, I mean, you know, when I, was, when I was a teenager, of course, I was, I was a punk, um, but there would be many times that I would, you know, if I had fast food in my car, uh, I got done with it, just toss the trash out the window. And as I got older, I, you know, I understand that I'm a steward. I'm a steward. You know, I'm, I'm, and I don't mean this, I'm not a tree hugger in that sense that we might would understand that today, but I don't think we are to abuse the creation of God. And it, and it bothers me. In fact, my, one of the things I did when I worked for the city of Irving, I was an environmental health inspector. That was my title. And uh, we, we developed, we became part of the... Um, uh, America, America, it's Beautify America or something like that. There was a, it's a national program, America Be the Beautiful or something like that. Anyway, so we had to do statistical measurements. So we would drive around and we had these little postcards and 
and if we were driving around and we saw somebody throw a cigarette butt out the window, we would take down their license plate and we would then have that traced and we would send them a postcard that said, please don't put your butts on God, on, not on God's screen, uh, don't throw your butts out the window. And that's, and it was just kind of a reminder, hey, don't litter, don't litter. I don't think we ought to abuse creation. Uh, I don't think that we ought to misuse it, mismanage it. Uh, I think we're stewards. We are to manage it as a resource from another. What does the Bible say? The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, but he gives it to us for him, for others, and for ourselves. Unfortunately, I think humans have gone to the opposite extremes by wiping out by, number one, wiping out creation. I mean, think about how many animals have gone extinct because of poachers and things like that. And then the second part of that is that we do have some that worship creation. So we've taken God's creation and we've, we've abused it in a couple of ways. Number five, the fifth, the fifth responsibility uh, in, in this is to exercise authority. So as part of creation, that care, God has given us, notice the text, he's given us dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, dominion simply means to have power or to rule over. That's dominion. It's not the same as domination. There's a difference. We should not abuse the environment. We should not abuse animals. We should not abuse our fellow image bearers because we, you know, we've been called to subdue and have dominion for his glory and for others' goods. R.C. Sproul he wrote, he wrote like this. He wrote this. He said, we are called to reflect the character of God's righteous rule over the universe. He never ravages or exploits what he rules, but rather reigns in justice and kindness. I like that. I like that. As part of God's provision, he provided his creation, uh, provided for his creation in two ways. Look at verse 29. Uh, he gave food to mankind. Okay. Verse 29 says, And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for what? For food. Now that word behold is the expectation. Now look, God has given you food. It's repeated again in Genesis 2.9. says, Out of the ground the Lord made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. So evidently, in the very beginning, Adam and Eve were vegetarians at the beginning. <laughs> Some of you look at me kind of funny. After the flood, okay, because I, I know there are people that would misuse something like this. After the flood, God gave them permission to, to eat meat, which is why I enjoy steak and ribs and pork chops and... <laughs> Mashed taters, you know, I try to do my part right there, you know. But I enjoy salad too, you know. Um, Genesis 9, 3, every, every moving thing that lives shall be for food. That's, that was his words. And as I gave you the green plants, I, have, I give you everything. You know, again, I, I, occasionally you'll run across somebody that says that you're more spiritual if you're a vegetarian. Listen, I'm, I'm not knocking vegetarian. I, I know people that are vegetarian. They're wonderful people. They don't look down because I have a, uh, you know, a ribeye steak. You know, they don't look down on that. I don't look down because they're, they're eating rabbit. I mean, they're eating, eating vegetables. <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I'm being, trying to be funny, but I'm not really. Um, I mean, think about it. The angels, the Lord, the angel of the Lord came down in, uh, when he visited Abraham in Genesis 18, and, and they had beef. The priest, during the Levitical, the Levitical priesthood, the priest, part of the sacrificial system was they were, they were to take some of the choice meat. That was their food. That was how they were nourished. Jesus, uh, at the Last Supper, ate roasted lamb. He ate grilled fish on the beach in Luke 24. So, again, it's kind of hard to make that argument that, uh, that we're more spiritual if we're vegetarian. The point is that God has graciously provided for us food to eat, which is why we, I, again, I, I, it's why we help people that don't have enough. Food insecurity is a real thing in America. Isn't that amazing? 
We send billions and billions of dollars all over the world, and yet we have people in our own community that are, that are qualified as food insecure. Food insecurity is, is not having enough food to last you a day or two. We, we, we have that. Tomorrow, we'll, we'll give out food tomorrow, and we'll probably have 200 cars that will pass through here. That represents, if you do two people per car, that's 400 people. If you, if you add three, you know, if it's a, if, if it's a family, you know, most of the time they're families of four. I mean, you're talking 800 people right there just getting food. We do that twice a month. We probably give out food for 1,000 people every month. God gave food not only to us but to the animal kingdom. Verse 30, and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. Again, reading that text there in the context of it, apparently the animals in the very beginning pre-flood were vegetarians. They were herbivores. They grazed. They ate, they ate the grass. Nine times in our passage we see the words every or everything, which emphasizes God's abundant and generous provision for all of creation. Seven times in Genesis 1, God calls his creation good. The Hebrew word for good uh, means well-pleasing, well-pleasing. After surveying everything that had been done, God just explodes with an exclamation point and says, it's very good. I like that. See, when God made all of creation, if you look at day, you know, one, two, three, four, five, the Bible says, and he saw that it was good. He saw that it was good. He saw that it was good. But after the crown of his creation, God looked at everything he had made, including mankind, and he said, very good, very good. I, got a, I only got a few minutes. Let me jump ahead a little bit. As I close tonight, let me just, let me just kind of close it up. God is, remember this. God is the central and supreme character of creation. You know, you have people, and in the very beginning, I shared with you that there are other beliefs about creation. There are people, there are believers that believe the gap theory, and uh, there, there are people that believe in what they call theistic evolution, uh, that evolution is the process, but God was the author behind it. Uh, again, there, there's, it's, it's debatable, but the thing that we have to remember and understand is that God is central and supreme to, to creation. His, his name appears 31 times in 31 verses. I would say that's important. His creation was precise, it was prompt, and it was perfect. Psalm 14.1 says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. You can't look at creation and not marvel that there was a divine designer who created every bit of this. In fact, Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, he created everything for his glory and for our good. He says, worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. God, I think, is most glorified when his creation works the way it was intended to work. Right now, you know, ever since Adam and Eve plunged the world into sin in Genesis 3, the creation mandate has become very, very challenging. Do you realize that right now, and again, I'm closing, I promise, there, there are other things we could talk about. But right now, out of 8.1 billion people on the earth, there are over 3 billion people that have never heard the name of Jesus. 3 billion people. That's staggering to me. And you know, we can no longer assume in our country that everybody knows about Jesus. I've, I've used this illustration before, but some of you, it's been several, many years ago, actually. We, one of the times we did our Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames, it's a, it's a fantastic drama, uh, and, I, and I'm praying that we might be able to bring it back this year or early next year for Lord Terry's powerful drama of, of, you know, give, of people having a choice. We've done it about 10 times, and each time we'll have hundreds. This place is packed, usually have hundreds of people responding to the altar. And I remember one time we were, we had had that presentation and we gave the altar call and this thing filled up down here and there was a man that stood right here. He was about 55, at that time he was about 55, somewhere 55 to 60 years old. And I was intrigued by that because everybody else was probably under the age of 35, many teenagers that were here. And so I went down to him and I, and I introduced myself to him and I started talking to him and come to find out this man was born and raised here in America never heard the gospel. 
And, and I'll be honest with you, I was shocked because I didn't think that was possible. I didn't think that was possible because in, me, in my mind, I drive down the streets and I see a church on just about every corner. You know, you turn on television and there, there are channels that are exclusive to, to, to Christianity and, and there's radio and there's, there's magazines and things like that. This man had never heard the gospel before. And all of a sudden it kind of clicked with me. I can never assume that the person that I'm meeting has any concept of heaven, hell, sin, forgiveness. I can't assume that anymore. And that, that kind of changed the way I started living my life. Uh, so as we close tonight, um, what, are, what are some of the things that we can do? Again, God created us on purpose for his purpose. And I think there are three things in closing. Number one, raise godly children who are equipped to live their lives on mission. On mission. Number two, take the gospel to our neighbors and to the nations. Again, there are people that have never heard. Number three, endeavor to use our gifts and abilities for God's glory and for the good of others. That's the foundation that we build on. Don't you stand with me tonight as we close. You know, maybe later this year or whenever the Lord leads, I, maybe we go back and, you know, I've, I've taught through the first 11 chapters of Genesis been many years ago. I, Genesis is a wonderful book. If you, you know, sometimes we shy away because there are names in there that we can't pronounce. Um, you know, there, and sometimes there are concepts in there that we can't grasp. There are a lot of things that are written in the Old Testament that are confusing to us because we, you know, again, we're, we read it, you know, this Bible was read, written from a Middle Eastern mindset. We read it with a Western mindset. And uh, it's a little bit different. How many's ever, just, an, just I, let me, I got to stop talking. Uh, how many's ever called like how many knows like like Caesarea Philippi? Anybody heard it pronounced like that? Caesarea Philippi. So last time we were in Israel, uh, we had a group from the church. We were in Israel, and we went to that place. And the guide there is full blood Jewish guy, scholar. See, so tells us where we're going, and he said, "And you don't say Caesarea; it's Caesarea because <laughs> it's Caesar." And so I remembered that in my mind. It's Caesarea. Um, what was I trying to say? Anyway, well, I got to close. I don't know. There was a point to that, and I don't know what it was. I'll think about it. Time. I, I hate that because at midnight I'll wake up and say, that's what I was going to say. Let's bow as we pray tonight. <laughs> as we close tonight, let me just, I, I want to close out this way. Maybe, maybe you're here tonight. Maybe you're online tonight. And maybe, uh, you know, I talk about, how that we're image bearers. And, and that's one of the things I, I really want the body of Christ today to recognize. We are image bearers, and God's purpose is that we, we fill, we multiply, we, 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 we populate this place with image bearers. What does that mean? It means that we have to become very open to sharing our faith and shining our light. And that's a struggle for a lot of people. I understand that. So let me just ask, if you're here tonight, say, you know, Pastor, I want to do a better job of letting my light shine wherever I go. I want God to help me and shine through me. Give me opportunities. Listen, I promise you, if you make that your prayer, God, let me be a light to somebody's darkness, I promise you, he'll put people in your path real quick for you to be able to do that. Anybody here tonight say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to do that. If you're online, if you'll comment, I'll pray with you as well. Father, tonight I love you. I thank you for your word. Thank you for creation. Lord, I pray that we never look at it the same. And Lord, especially, we never look at another individual the same. We are created on purpose, with purpose. Lord, maybe life has not turned out quite the way that some have wanted. Uh, Lord, we do see the disparity in our life and in our society. But Lord, to you, we all have equal standing. So Father, help us to recognize the value of others. And part of that recognizing the value is to shine our light into their darkness. So help us. Each one raise their hand, each one online tonight. Help us to, uh, to be that light. Help us to be the answer to someone's prayer to give them hope and bring them encouragement. And Father, I pray a blessing upon every person here. Lord, I pray that you would bless them with good rest tonight. Lord, that you would rejuvenate and strengthen their bodies. Lord, I pray for the team tomorrow as we uh, distribute food uh, here in our community. Uh, Lord, I pray that uh, every, every bag, every box that's given, Lord, would be done with anointing upon it, Lord, and I pray that you would minister to people in the moments of crisis of their lives. Give us a great restful night. Should you tarry, bring us on Sunday 
I ask you to bring people from the north, the south, the east, and the west that need an encounter with you. I love and bless each one now in Jesus' mighty name. We all said amen. Thank you for being with us online tonight. I look forward to seeing you next time. God bless you, and I love you very much.